It's that time again, fellers, as Jock Journal presents the Free Parking Show. Just a bunch of country boys who have a lot to say about sports. They invite you to call in, text, or just listen in. So pull up a comfy chair and crack open a beer. It's time to talk sports, chicks, and flicks. Hello and welcome to the Free Parking Show here on Jock Journal Radio. We have a very good show for you tonight as we're going to recap all the action from the championship weekend. Um, but we'd love to hear from you, so give us a call at 405-562-5463 or text in at 77948 with the word text as the first uh, part of the message and then following that uh, whatever you want to be read on air, or if you go to the jockjournal dot uh, slash radio, it's right there where you can just fill it out real quick and hit send, and it'll go right to us, and we'll read them on the air. Uh, but without further ado, I'm going to send it over to a very upset Rich, Peter, and Amos <laughs> after a very rough weekend for you boys. <laughs> yeah, I- I'm going to tell you, like you said, we've got a great show tonight. That- I don't think a football game had had that much controversy, that much disappointment, and that much surprise in it than what we saw from actually both games. Honestly, from when we talked all week, you know, we talked to the Patriots and we talked to the Cardinals. And, you know, before we get into those games, because, Peter, you have something that's been eating you alive all day long, and, you know, I, I just love to hear what it is. Well, I'm not sure if you guys have read any about anything about this, but apparently people have been sending threats to Stephen Guskowski. Um, one was from a kid who plays baseball at his own high school. So, I mean, this kid is talking trash to an NFL player. Good luck ever trying to get into a college now. <clears throat> if I was a dean of a school, I'd blacklist you immediately for talking trash. And like, asking like a punk. You're how old? 15, 16? Shut the hell up. Number one, to begin with, okay? Don't want to hear anything from you. Secondly... I'm going to read this other tweet, and I'm going to blank out the bad words. And This is a little bit vulgar and graphic in nature. From Andrew Hobson, at Gostowski, I hope all of your children dying get to watch your stupid effing... And uh, to watch your stupid effing B. What I don't understand is that. (laughs) Why are these people blaming the game... If, you know what? Number one, these—I mean, these kids shut just shut the hell up. And no one wants to hear anything you have to say. All right, I re- you know it just—it just pisses me off. And don't blame the kicker, okay? Blame the offensive line who played like garbage. That, and which I'm glad that I'm glad the offensive line coach was fired because he's a bum. He, in fact, he might even—he might even be my bum of the week. If you get fired the day after a game, you can't even do that shit right. And then, and then you look it, just blaming the kicker just makes no sense. It just it just doesn't make sense at all. And I'm getting tired of people blaming him. How about the quarterback? What about the offensive line? What about the defense giving up the pass that they giving up two touchdown passes on easy completions to start the game? That's where the blame should be, not on the kicker. That's it. That's all I gotta say. I'm I'm irritated, still mad right now with these idiots. Oh, I agree on everything you said. You cannot blame the kicker. Steven Goskowski is arguably still the best kicker in the NFL. He hadn't missed an extra point since what the two, I think they said the 2006 season, and that 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 missed extra point was so early in the game. It really, honestly, I know it honestly didn't determine the outcome. You just had to pick on someone, but you know it's like he said. 
Brady didn't play well. The offensive line didn't play well. I mean, the only thing that I took away from it was Jamie Collins. You know, he had one hell of a game yesterday. That defense did their job. But you look at it from a coaching standpoint, you can blame Belichick. You can blame the offensive line coach who is no longer there. But the kicker of all people who has been the staple, he's a patriot. I, you know, I, that kind of irritated me, too. And the funny thing about it is, is Stephen Goskowski's Twitter uh, Twitter account. He hadn't even been active on that since 2011, so it's not. I'm sure he's heard about it, but it's not like he goes to his Twitter feed and reads that stuff anymore. I think his like, like I said, his last post was posted like five years ago, so it almost makes no sense to go troll someone on Twitter who doesn't even read it. But as Peter said. Uh, the breaking news that, you know, I just heard about, I think everybody just heard about, happened, what, about an hour and a half ago. Dave Degliamo, the offensive line coach, was fired today. And that, you know, that when when we look at this Patriots-Broncos game, that's the first thing that comes to mind is, uh, what was it, the first time since they started writing quarterback hits down since the 2006 NFL season, 20 hits, uh, eight or four of them accounted for sacks on on. Patriots quarterback Tom Brady. I don't care what kind of record you got as a as an offensive line coach. That's pitiful. <laughs> you obviously didn't game plan the protection schemes the way you were supposed to. Hats off to the Denver Broncos and Wade Phillips for coming up with some, you know, the the creative schemes in there as well. Uh, you know, <laughs> it, it is what it is, but you, you want to say Manning versus Brady? Look at the numbers. Tom Brady threw for over 310 yards, but he also had two picks. Manning threw a 48% completion passes or completion percentage with 177 yards and two touchdowns. But really, the touchdowns came off the Patriots' interceptions. So I personally feel that no, you know neither offense offense played well at all yesterday. But you know that offensive line, unless they're planning on taking, unless uh, Degliamo's taking Marcus Cannon and uh, Darius Fleming with him, <laughs> I don't know what the, I don't know what they're going to do. I, we were just talking about off the air, guys. This this is going to be a. I think there's more to come with this Patriots team. It looks like there's going to be an offensive line shakeup. Correct, Amos? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I don't think they could have played any. That offensive line could have played any worse than what they did. Uh, First, Marcus Canning, Marcus Cannon, sorry, excuse me, uh, playing right tackle, and then Vaughn Miller getting around him all day. Then they put in Cam Fleming to try to help him, and Vaughn Miller hits Brady, and I, you know, Cam Fleming might as well have still have been in his stance, just waiting. Like I don't know, it was terrible. It was horrible to watch. It was, and you know, by the time they the offensive line did anything, when they only run, Vaughn Miller was balls deep into Brady's brainstem. It freaked him out, and he's throwing passes off his, you know, just unbalanced. I don't know. It was it's the worst game I've seen them play. It's probably the best game I've seen uh, Denver's defense play. And yeah, hats off to Wade Phillips. I mean, just yeah, put on a coaching clinic on how to really expose a makeshift offensive line. And I, you know, a lot of people are going to argue. Well, what if Nate Solder was there? I think he would have made a difference, but that interior of the line is still real questionable too. And I just, I don't think it would have made that much of a difference that, uh, yeah, I mean, really hats off to Denver. They got the win, whether you win by one or 100, it wins a win. But, and as far as the Goskowski threats, like seriously, if he comes back next year, they make it to the Super Bowl and he kicks a game winning field goal. That same guy who tweeted him about a children's going to be tweeting how he's the greatest kicker of all time. 
there's no merit in it and people like that i don't know if you're going to be that bad of a football fan don't be a football fan <clears throat> well so Ryan, another thing that I was Hold say, on, before you respond i got one question okay go ahead no no good for it good for it no i was gonna say uh the other thing that came to mind i mentioned bill belichick this was the thing. This was the only thing that bothered me about this game. You don't t- you don't leave points off the board. Do you agree with his decision to not only go for it once but go for it twice? Think about it this way: you're only down eight points, and it's like I think it's like eight minutes left to go in the game. You're inside the Denver fifty. You're in field goal range on a fourth and two, and you go for it and you miss it. There's three points. That would have brought the score down. You know, they, they would have been down five. You come back down the next time because Denver's offense really didn't do nothing. I think somebody told me Peyton Manning had six three and outs uh, the entire game. So you come back down, you get it back until, you know, you get it back down in, inside the 40 again, and then you go for it again and miss. Had you kicked the field goal, you're down two. You get the ball back immediately after that because Denver, for whatever reason on offense, throws the ball on third down with like a minute or what was it like a minute right at the two minute warning and Brady gets the ball back again goes down scores a touchdown and, and you know it's almost like you gave away six points on the board that touchdown probably would have won in the game is, is it fair to put some of this blame on Belichick as well well absolutely anytime you lose a game in hindsight oh my bad no, any time you lose a game, uh, the coach deserves a lot of playing. But it, I think I think Amos is about to say that I was going to say hindsight's twenty twenty. Belichick's known for taking risks uh, because he has the job security to do it. Uh, that's the difference between him and a lot of coaches. Is like no one has the job security that Belichick has in the NFL. It's extremely rare. Uh, so he can, has this ability to go for it without without much consequence. Um, and you know, and he's loved for that. It's one of the reasons why a lot of fans love to watch his teams, and a lot of fans uh, really like him as a coach, is because he will go for it. He is going to take risks. Um, and at the time that they took them, I don't think that they were bad calls either. I mean, hindsight being twenty twenty, yeah, it definitely would have made a huge difference if they would have kicked field goals instead of gone for it. Um, but you know, it's 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 one of those things where, like, I think in the moment. I don't think it was a bad call. Like everybody, you know, last year with the whole let's run run on the one yard line. Like that's not a bad call in the moment. If he would have caught the touchdown pass, everybody would have been like, "What a genius!" You know, Pete Carroll's a genius. But it wasn't a bad call in the moment. It just ended up uh, bad execution. It's a, that's the same thing for me. As far as the offensive line goes, uh, I mean, I've holy oh my god, I've never seen an offensive line play that poorly. I don't think in my entire life. I mean, they, we were talking about it. There was times that Von Miller went in without being touched at all and coming off the edge. Every now and then, you can lose a guy in the middle. You know, he, he comes in through like the three gap and like nobody picked him up. Like whatever. That happens sometimes with bad communication on an offensive line. But he's coming off the edge, and their tackle's right there, and you know, and the tackle knows that that's the guy he's blocking, and he gets by you untouched. I mean, that's incredible. That One speaks to how bad this offensive line played, and two, of course, has to speak to how uh, great Von Miller is as an edge rusher. Um, but that's, I mean, that was the key in this game. It's been overstated, but it's the, it's the fact this game was won and lost on that offensive line. Um, especially with how close it was, you know, if they could have made a couple more plays, it definitely uh, would have 
would have made a big difference. And I real quick wanted to touch on what um, Peter brought up. I hadn't heard about that until Peter brought it up about the you know the death threats and stuff like that. Uh, <clears throat> I love my team. I love the Tennessee Titans. I love watching them play. Uh, you know, I own tons of like, memorabilia and gear and stuff. There's definitely a line though between being a fan and taking it way too far. Um, you know, you support your team. And be mad. Be mad when they play bad. I know that you guys are talking like right now. You hear three Patriots fans talking about how bad the offensive line played. Be mad. But there's no no reason, uh, any reason to be doing death threats and stuff. He is one of, if not the best kickers in the league. I think, Rich, you said that earlier. There's absolutely no reason for that. Yes, yes, yes. I, you, Would you they guys gave him that, that contract extension for a reason. Now, as I said, they gave him that contract extension for a reason. He's led the league in points scored by an individual player for, like, the last five years. So, you know, he misses one. That kick did not determine the outcome of that game. Patriots fans just want to point the finger at someone other than Belichick, Brady, and the offensive line. Yeah, I just want to quickly add something. I, let me ask you. Go ahead. Go ahead. So I was going to say was <clears throat> it's – I, first of all, I want to apologize for dropping the escort on, on the air after I blanked out the uh, blanked out what I read there. So my apologies. I get a little bit upset when I see people make death threats against. Just, I mean, there's just no place to make death threats in my opinion. Like Brian said, just be a fan in the game. You can be upset, but to threaten somebody's livelihood, his wife and his children, there's just no excuse for that. And just grow up. So that's all I got to say. I just wanted to say I'm sorry, but I'm still not going to change the fact that I can't see any little punks acting like they're all tough when you're not. I'm behind a damn, you know, pad on your computer or on your phone and just grow up and, you know, a good luck, a good luck getting a job this summer if somebody knows that you're a punk like that. You know what I mean? You're stupid. And uh, speaking of the ahead, offensive Andy, line, and I kind of I, – I said something about it Sunday when we were all watching it. Is at some point with Vaughn Miller doing that, isn't it worth the risk to put Cannon back at left tackle and then put Vollmer over there? to like just try to do something different to try to stop Miller slow him down I mean because DeMarcus Ware started getting there but then they could have easily near the end wouldn't they have just flipped to the other side (laughs) they they were just they were just picking on Flipman and Canning too yeah it's obvious like you said I think you hit the nail on the head earlier Amos with a the missing and Nate Solder, Ryan Wendell went down. One of the things that I brought to the attention of some of our Patriots fans, we lost James Devlin in the preseason from a broken leg. You know, that's key blocking. He, James Devlin is not known for he, – he is known for being an, an ex, excellent blocker in the pass game and the run game, and that's probably another aspect of what happened this year. So, I mean – Degliamo getting fired may have been some of it, but there's other stuff going on as well with that team just outside of what you know what the offensive line did. You know, Gronk. Th- this is the other thing they need a deep threat wide receiver. You threw the ball deep to James White twice. He had the guy beat, and, and it's just like James White just couldn't reel him in. Gronk is a big guy running down the field, but he's not exactly fast in creating separation. Yeah, I, we've said it year in and year out with the Patriots. They haven't had a vertical threat since Randy Moss was there, and I think that's another way they go. Uh, moving to the Broncos' side of the ball, like we we all praised what what Wade Phillips did, best coaching that he's done all year with that defense. I've never seen all nothing career. like it. And 
<laughs> fans will tell you. Yeah, yeah. I agree. With and and well, here. this is the thing. And, and this is the thing with uh, what people are saying. And nobody expected the Denver Broncos to come out and do what they did to that offensive line, the way the Patriots played a week ago against Kansas City. And if you didn't believe that, you're lying your tail off because I think we all were watching the NFL analysts. Oh, Patriots all the way down the line. And it, it just was amazing. But, you know, there there's some there, that Denver Broncos offense, Peyton Manning is not the same player he was. So this defense is going to definitely have to carry him to the next level. Here's the big question that is still coming across for the Broncos side of the ball. I think Peyton Manning was talking to some reporter, one of the players at the end of the year, and said, hey, this may be my last ride. You know, I, I'm I'm beginning to wonder if Denver does win or lose. Denver is done. Do you think Denver's done with Peyton, regardless of the outcome of the Super Bowl? I'll, I mean, I'll take this uh, first, and uh, I got a text real quick. Let me get to the text because it is pretty good text. And uh, before I answer, and the text or texter sent in and said, "Whoa, did you see there? Tom Brady just got sacked again." <laughs> I came in from uh, Connecticut, so I thought that was a pretty good one. Um, no, but I think I think that they're going to be towards the end. Like it's hard to say because if they do win the Super Bowl, um, and he plays well, like let's say he comes out, throws like 250 yards, completes like 70 percent of his passes, uh, gets like two three touchdowns. You know, and that not that like blow you away, but that like well that's a pretty good game, and then and then they end up winning. Do you move away? It's it's tough. I think the right call is you you want to it's tough cuz he's such a good player and he has such a good legacy. Um but the business smart business move is yes. You you should try to move on after this season. Um because he's just not the player that he used to be. I think you're going to see I don't think this is going to be a big problem cuz I think we're going to see him move on from the game after the season especially if he wins a Super Bowl, you know, right out in style like uh we've seen Stray handed and Jerome Bettis did. Um right out on the Super Bowl or, you know, John Elway speaking of Denver. Uh, so I think that you'll – and that's what you'll end up seeing is him um, take a step back for the game. Uh, so I don't think it's going to be a big issue. But I think, yeah, if he does stay in, if he's like, yeah, I want to play, I think you have to. I think you have to move on as tough as that is to do to a guy that's been uh, so great to the game of football. Okay, follow-up question, yeah, Peter. I... <clears throat> uh, let's say – Hold on, hold on. Follow-up question. I'll let you take this one, Amos. If Peyton Manning does walk away, do the Denver Broncos completely blow that roster up? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's hard because I think the best thing for them, and I think Ryan brings up, it's like to let him go is the best business decision you can do because roster-wise, I know Vaughn Miller's a free agent after this year. I'm not sure about the corners. I feel like either Tlaib or Harris are, is uh, their contract year. But, like, you, you're not going to be able to afford to keep that defense of Peyton Manning's on that roster. And I think the business, smart business move would be to let him go, solidify that roster, solidify that defense, because that's a solid defense, and that's going to win you games. And that's the kind of defense that protects a young quarterback like Brock Osweiler. Because I just – Manning's not going to do any good for you. <laughs> I don't think he's going to do any good for him in the Super Bowl. I like it wouldn't mean if the league got what they wanted and Peyton rides off in the sunset. Like it, it just makes complete sense to me. 
both the way that Carolina defense is playing, which I didn't think they would, I didn't think they would have do nearly that shot. But yeah, I mean, I think he's going to prove to everyone in the Super Bowl that it's time for the Broncos to separate themselves from the NFL and or it's from Peyton Manning, and then Peyton Manning to you know retire or go to Cleveland. I don't care what you do, just get out there. <laughs> <laughs> you got anything to add, real quick, Peter? Yeah, I think that if. Win, win or lose, they have to let him go. Um, like Amos said, he's just too expensive to keep on because he's going to want top dollar. Uh, so you can't keep him around and then try to get Von Miller back after the season. And, you know, they've got good receivers. And I think they're going to find up wanting to go out and spend money on a running back because the running game just has been so hot and cold up there in Denver. You know, some weeks it looks good, some weeks it doesn't. So I think you got to let Manning go win or lose, in my opinion. Sorry, I have my mic muted. Uh, so, like I said, Denver advances <laughs> to the AFC or to the um, sorry, the NFC, the the Super Bowl. They are going to be playing the Carolina Panthers. Now, before you know, we go into this one. Just for the record, we all went zero two on our picks this week. So, if you want to make that, don't listen to our show in terms of oh, I'm going to go to my bookie because <laughs> the guys are free park. You know how to pick games. That was not the case this week. <laughs> Uh, I think we all I think our game was going to be a little bit closer than what it was, and I think we were you, we were texting in the chat, me and you, Ryan, and uh, you said, "Well, this thing was over." And I turned, you know, I think it was at like what thirty four to fourteen or something. I said, "No, nah, man." I said, "This thing was over at seventeen to nothing." That that uh, I never it just blew me away on how badly Arizona turned that football over. And for whatever reason, I feel that this is Carolina's year. It's going to be tough for Denver. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think Denver's got much of a shot in this game. I, I Statistically, the way Carolina's been playing, and on defense, and especially offense, I mean, is there has there been a better play caller in the postseason than, was it Mike Shula, I think, is his first name? Yeah. Because to me, there hasn't been, and with the way he's been playing or calling plays with Jonathan Stewart and the ability to make routes for Greg Olson to get open when everybody knows his favorite weapon is, is just unbelievable to me. I kudos to that man. And I feel bad for every team who hired a head coach without trying to get uh, Mike Shula in there to talk to. I, uh, I have a good friend of mine who's a, a diehard uh, Cincinnati Bengals fan. And he said this week, you can take, uh, you can take Carson Palmer out of Cincinnati, but you can't take Cincinnati out of Carson Palmer <laughs> with the way he played. Uh, <laughs> the four interceptions, man. They're, you're not going to win a game. You're not going to win a playoff game throwing four interceptions. Like, I don't care who you are how good your team is. That's completely unacceptable. There were a lot of drop passes in this game. He didn't get a lot of help. And they just got completely outmatched. The score shows it. 49-15. to 15. I mean, they got completely outclassed in this game. Uh, he did not play well. Really, the only guy that I looked at in this game, and I was and I was impressed by. I thought that played a pretty good game was uh, David Johnson, the rookie uh, running back. You know, yep, the, big, the running back. The big plays that they had were plays that he busted up. You know, got open in the open field, went down the field. Uh, Fifteen carries, sixty yards, and a touchdown. Uh, you know, and he had he got big plays in the passing game, big plays in the running game. I really like this kid. I think that uh, he's definitely got a future because he's an outstanding, 
you know, I think this kid's like Matt Forte 2.0. He's the exact same guy. He can run. He can catch. He also had a nine receptions, 68 yards, which was made him the leading receiver on the team, too. Oh, and he got all nine of his targets. I mean, the kid had played an outstanding game. Outside of him, though, I was not impressed by anybody. I was impressed by this Arizona defense. Uh, they struggled. They got absolutely no pressure. That's what, uh, you know, I, I said on Sunday. I don't, I don't remember if I said it to you guys or if I said it to somebody else, but the difference between... Um, the difference between Tom Brady what and what he had to go through on Sunday and Cam Newton was night and day. Cam Newton had, I mean, he stepped back in the pocket, made himself a cup of coffee, got the newspaper out, lounged back for a little bit, you know, watched his favorite sitcom and then decided to throw the ball and still had time. You know, I mean, it was unbelievable how he just, he could sit back there all day. There was no pressure on him. Uh, which has been the only problem for Arizona all year is they don't get pressure on against good offensive lines, and they didn't. I mean, Carolina, Carolina's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for the Broncos because I think that their defense is almost as good as Denver's is, and I think their offense is much better than Denver's is. And Denver is not going to be able to play from behind if Carolina jumps out on them early either. It's going to be interesting to watch the Super Bowl. <clears throat> you know, I, I had thoughts about this last night after the NFC Championship game was over. All I could think about was the Broncos' Super Bowl loss to the Seattle Seahawks. And the reason I bring that up is because Peyton Manning, when his arm strength was really bad in that game, and they were getting beat up, the offense couldn't do anything. And they were doing it against a team that had a great defense, special teams that was really because remember uh, – Percy Harvin returned the second half kickoff to open up the second half for a touchdown, which really just ended up adding salt to the wound and just made him, you know, even more of a blow than it, you know, it made, it made the game a blow. That was really, in my opinion, started just a complete onslaught against the Broncos. And then you look at, then you look at Cam Newton. Cam Newton is just, I mean, he is probably the best, he was the best quarterback, in my opinion, in all of 2015, because not, not only can he throw it, but he can run it, and he runs, he makes smart plays. He, he slides to the ground when he needs to, he runs out of bounds, he doesn't take the hits anymore, and he runs people over. And let's not forget about his arm. This guy is making good, accurate passes to guys like Ted Ginn Jr., who, you know, dropped the ball a lot. And it's interesting when you look at it like that because it shows you the confidence that Cam Newton has in, in his offensive players. When they're, not, when they're dropping the football, he'll still throw it their way because he knows he has to because he doesn't have many other options. But he keeps trusting them. And when I watched the game, they beat the crap out of Carson Palmer you know, and, and the rest of that offense. They just embarrassed him. You know, he had, what, four interceptions? It was just insane. Carolina is a scary good team, and Luke Keekley, if I'm not mistaken, this is the second game in a row, in the, uh, including last week's game against the. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to blank here against the against the Seahawks, uh, Seahawks where he had a pick six. Yeah, so you have two weeks in a row where he gets a pick six. That's just ridiculous. You know, Cam Newton, the one interception they did throw, and I, and I don't know if you guys saw it. It looked like the ball just got away from him a little bit on the throw, and Peterson had a pretty good return with it. And then Carson Palmer just throws it back away and, and into the end zone and gets intercepted. So Carolina, you know, yeah, they made a mistake, but they made Arizona pay for it. And the way they cover receivers is just ridiculous. And Josh Norman is just a phenomenal corner. They can rush the quarterback. They can stop the run. And this is one thing that, that Denver has not faced all season. 
a good quarterback that not, can that not can only stand strong in the pocket, but outside of the pocket and can run. Cam Newton is a big boy, and I think he can definitely um, punish some of the defenders <clears throat> that are trying to come after him. And I think if they're going to try to contain him, they're going to they're going to leave guys wide open, in my opinion, during this game. So they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do on Denver's defense because man, Cam Newton is just. I have not seen a quarterback ever play like this in my entire life. He is just phenomenal. He's fun to watch, and he's he's a monster. You can't stop him right now. He's just he's so good. All right, guys, let's go ahead and take our commercial break. We'll come back, uh, put our final thoughts on this uh, championship weekend, and we'll touch on some other news that's going around in the world of sports. Well. The boys are talking, and the show is really moving along. But we need to take a break before a fight breaks out. People end up in the hospital. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back now, you hear? <laughs> that boy's good. Seven cars for kids. Donate your car today. 1-877-CARS-FOR-KIDS. K-A-R-S cars for kids. 1-877-CARS-FOR-KIDS. Donate your car today. Also on the web at carsforkids.com. That's cars with a K. We're a recognized 501c3 charity organization, so you'll receive a maximum tax deduction. What's more, you'll receive a free vacation voucher of three days and two nights. One eight seven seven cars for kids. K-A-R-S, cars for kids. One eight seven seven cars for kids. Donate your car today. Are you looking for the web's best sports news? Visit jockjournal.com. Sports media has lost its touch. It seems that journalists are scared to report what they see for fear of losing access to the teams they cover. At jockjournal.com, you get inside info on the entire NFL community without all the politics or fears other writers have. That's jockjournal.com. When you need the NFL sports news, information, opinions, fantasy, football, or discussions, there's only one place to go and it's jockjournal.com okay the boys have settled down one has a beard in and the other has a steak on his eye well, why don't you give them a call and tell them what you think all right you're listening to the free parking show here on jock journal radio uh definitely give us a call 405-562-5463 we'd love to hear your opinion or text in at 77948 with the first word of your text message being the word text, uh, followed by whatever you want to write in. We actually got in a text, and it, uh, a text, and it was about the, the Denver's defense, and it said, uh, do you think Denver's defense will be able to limit Cam Newton? Uh, so I'll let like everybody take this around. I'm going to say no. That that's a good question because I didn't think that they were going to be able to limit Brady. I thought I thought New England's offense was going to play better than what they did, and this is why I'm scared to pick against Denver because they've surprised me. But then again, it's like I picked against Denver and Carolina the entire postseason. That's why I'm glad we don't have to do the picks until next week. I, 
I'm gonna say I'm gonna leave it up in the open and say I have no idea. <laughs> I think they'll be able to limit yeah. him as far as the passing game. Maybe, but it, it, the run game—I don't know. Cam Newton's a big man, and as much as Vaughn Miller got to Brady and sacked Brady, Brady's not going to lower his shoulder and go into Vaughn Miller. Cam Newton will. And yeah, you may limit him passing, but I still think Cam Newton's going to run on you, and he's going to get them first downs. He's going to wear you out. So no, I guess no. I'm going to have to say they're not going to be able to contain Cam Newton. His his ability is just too much, and like I said earlier. They're going to have to pick their poison. Are they going to try to blitz him a lot and leave guys wide open, or are they going to try to sit back and cover and see what Cam Newton's going to do? Because one thing I think that could really hurt Denver's defense in this game, in the Super Bowl, um, and let me, know, let me know what you guys think about this. If they, run a speed, if they run the speed option here and there where Cam Newton takes off and they try to crash on him and he just pitches it out to Jonathan Stewart, yeah, that might be containing Cam Newton. But at the end of the day, that's getting into Denver's head. And then what, what the Panthers could do is they could run maybe like a similar sort of play where they think he's going to take off running and they try to they try to send people after him. They can try to get somebody open short or in a medium or in a medium route, just depending on how much time he can buy and then zip it to them. So he gets strict defended and it's running. And then let's see somebody wide open and throw right to him. So I think the speed option is what they should use in this game occasionally to try to keep the uh, try to keep Denver on their toes because once Cam Newton takes off running, he could take it all the way from ninety from the one yard line all the way to all the way from ninety nine yards out. So I don't see them containing him. He's just he's one of he is probably the best mobile quarterback in my opinion that's ever played the game. And I know he's still young, but he is out of all the guys that I can think of since like Michael Vick and passed him where. They come out of college where they ran and threw and all these Heisman winners. You look at guys like that, he's the best one. RG3, Michael Vick was a Heisman winner. RG3 was. Vince Young. Guys like that who, who could also run, but they can't throw. And all that great when, when they're getting beat up when the system doesn't work for them. Kim Newton is the revolutionary quarterback in the, as, a mobile, as far as mobile quarterbacks go, in my opinion. So that, that's what I think. I said no at first, but... I'm going to go ahead and change my answer. I think they are going to limit him a lot. And and this is why I think that if you pressure um if you pressure him and you go after him all day like you did with Tom Brady, you're going to you're going to be hurting. Like first off, Tom Brady is slow as molasses, so that helps you out. Second off, uh their offensive lines their offensive line it was terrible. Um so that really helped. The thing is Carolina's offensive line is pretty good. Um, their quarterback is very fast um, and has the ability to run over you, as uh, as Amos mentioned, and I think Peter mentioned as well. Uh, that he, you know, you get him in those kind of pressure situations, he's going to take off down the field. But you set back and kind of let the play come to you. Uh, you. They have the talent to shut down every wide receiver they have, and then double team Olsen. Um, you know, you put you put like guys like you know Chris Harris on Ted Ginn one on one or or. To leave on Harris on Ginn one on one, that's going to shut down Ted Ginn. Uh, I know that he's he's really fast, but he doesn't have the talent to keep up with um, the secondary that they have there. Do that, and then you know, no matter where Olsen is, have a double team on him. And then if Cam Newton does run, uh, you know, which he's going to do, and he's going to have successful runs against you, but let him run and tackle. This team tackles really well in the open uh, the open field, and look what 
even in the even in the win that they had over Seattle Seattle Seahawks, look at his stats. Cam Newton had a 164 total yards, and this defense is better than Seattle's. Uh, so, and if that's the kind of game they're going to have, then it's, it's going to be another one just like we were talking about. Well, I don't think that it's going to be a blowout by no means. I don't think, but it could, it's going to be another game exactly what we saw. Um, in the AFC Championship game, where it is a struggle, it's low scoring, it's hard for teams to get anything going uh, because Denver's offense is anemic and and their defense is that good. So I think that um, I think if he did have you know Kelvin Benjamin, if he did have you know the weapons on the offense, then I would say no. Uh, but this defense is really good, and if you just set back, you know, and just let the the play come to you, it's going to be really really hard. Um, for Carolina to to do anything against Denver. See, I I just think that like yeah. if Cam Newton threw the ball no more than fifteen times, they'd be able to win that game. Because I think that offensive line is the way they've been coached, the way they've been played this year is very old school. And I think that they're going to. I think they're just going to run it down Denver's throat with you know run with Cam Newton. That doesn't work fine. Well, if you wear him out, we got Jonathan Stewart. If he gets tired, we'll just put in Mike Tolbert. Like, it's just a never-ending, just like, it's just being hit by a, three different wrecking balls. You just don't know which one it's going to be. And I just, I think that's going to hurt that front seven a lot. And Carolina is a quick-scoring offense. That That's the thing that scares me about Denver playing Carolina is, it's not about what weapons they have, it's about how they use them. They're kind of like the New England but they've got everyone. They've got a healthy offensive line. They don't have the weapons like New England does. But the quarterback is just so mobile and escaping the the pass rush. I haven't, and it's like the Gary Kubiak said, we haven't faced a quarterback like this all year, really. So, you know, it, it, it's a tough one. It's going to be a tough Super Bowl. To, it may be a little bit closer than what I think. But if Carolina jumps out on them. 21 nothing, 31 nothing, and gets on them quick, that's going to put a lot of pressure on Peyton Manning to try and win this ball game, and that's not what Denver's wanted to do. So maybe in a way that I think Denver's going to try and contain him, and that's what's going to determine this game. But uh, let's put a quick bow tie on this uh, championship Sunday, and I'll go first, and then we'll just go uh, Peter Amos and then you, Ryan. Uh, my final thoughts is shock. Uh, New England's offensive line, after what they did against Kansas City where Tom Brady was hardly touched, gets hit 20 times. Arizona, where were you guys at? I I think, uh, Ryan, you mentioned it earlier, the the four interceptions thrown by Palmer, but I think they also had three other turnovers outside of that. I think it was seven total turnovers. And, you know, we we all expected the same game. Uh, Peter, what what do you got? It was definitely some shocking games this weekend. Uh, when you look at New England, my final thought for that game is just, um, well, really this. They allowed Peyton Manning and the Broncos to go down the field after they uh, failed to move in a scoring position, and it was 7 nothing. and then Tom Brady's uh, interception deep in New England's own territory sent him for another easy 7. So... It was you know the, the one touchdown off that turnover really hurt New England I think so and, and the reason I bring up that turnover is because turnovers killed both losing teams this week I think if Brady hadn't thrown an interception deep in New England territory 
you, you're looking at a seven-point swing at least, if not more, if New England had gotten down the field and scored. And then you look at Carolina and uh, Arizona just, they got, you know, Arizona just got pounded. I mean, seven turnovers, that's, that, that's bad. That's like Jake DeLone. Um, when he was on the Panthers against the Cardinals years ago where he had, I think, seven or eight turnovers. So it was kind of like a revenge game. So in reality, turnovers is what killed the losing teams this weekend. I know it sounds silly, but it was turnovers, bad offensive line play, and, you know, just stuff like that. So that's my takeaway from this weekend. Uh, as far as the Patriots-Denver game, uh, me and Ryan both selected that if there was going to be an upset, it would be Denver over New England. And I, you know, Tom Brady last, as far as much as I can remember, especially the last three or four years, is if you get pressure up the middle with him, as <clears throat> he tends in like big games, tight games, he'll throw an interception when he shouldn't. He just uh, like a desperation launch. And that's what it was on the sideline when Darian Stewart intercepted it. And I think that's something he's got to cut out because you didn't see – I mean, when Peyton Manning, they got pressure on him, he just dropped and took the sack, which is what Brady just should have done. Uh, that defense played lights out. And as far as Carolina, Arizona, you know, uh, I think Bruce Arians has a lot of – he's got to come up with some new offensive schemes to where if those deep routes, deep crossing routes aren't working, that the short timing routes will be there for them and they'll be able to do something other than, oh, hey, you know, the only one we have is David Johnson who can really – you know, it's got that timing down, so let's get to him. You know, Carolina, that defense playing lights out. Luke Keekley's amazing. Um, Josh Norman played well. And I guess I got to give more credit to Mike Shula. I mean, his ability to just make a scheme to where, yeah, that running game's always going to be there, but it only takes one or two receivers to be a game breaker, and he'll get a scheme in there and a route to make it happen. Yeah, I'm going to start here with the the Patriots-Broncos game. And um, obviously the first thing, you know, we talked about before the the games. Last week we talked about how Chris Harris and Julian Edelman was going to be a key matchup. And Harris really came to play. Uh, He was in his face, you know, all the game game long. He was in his face. He was really rerouting them, even with the bum shoulder. Uh, Chris Harris played a big part in this win, uh, what he was able to do. as you know, the, and as the unsung part, because you know he's not the one getting the sacks or getting the pressure, uh, but Julian Edelman not being open in those first four or five seconds, first three four seconds is the reason that they got to the quarterback, uh, you know, so often. So uh, keep to leave uh, Chris Harris the whole secondary. They played very well in this as well. Um, the kind of the unsung heroes is Von Miller and Ware were in the backfield the whole day. Uh, in the other game, uh, like uh, Amos just said, Luke Keekley is just unbelievable. He's amazing. It's spectacular what he can do. Uh, he has just natural ball skills like I've never seen, I don't think, ever before. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen anybody that's just in the right place at the right time so often. Uh, you know, he's he just knows where the ball's going to be. This guy's football IQ is through the roof. Uh, outstanding player, uh, unbelievable what he's able to been uh, been able to do. I think Peter mentioned it earlier, where he's he's had a pick six in two straight playoff games now. I mean that is that is uh, pretty amazing when you're able to do that. Uh, very impressed with what this Panthers team has been able to do, especially with um, the, you know the lack of weapons that they have on that offense. This defense has really stepped up. Uh, and that and Cam Newton, man, I, I firmly believe, and I've said this a couple times this year. Uh, all three of you have heard me say this. 
with Cam Newton, this team is 15 and one and heading to the Super Bowl. Without Cam Newton, uh, this team doesn't make the playoffs. So, I mean, what they, he's been able to do is nothing short of amazing, and he is hands down deserves to be the MVP. Yep. And that concludes our uh, NFC AFC Championship weekend. Uh, we still got a couple minutes left. The other big news story, you know, in case you were glued to the NFL this year, was Cleveland Cavaliers head coach David David Blatt fired over the weekend, replaced by Tyron Lue. Okay, this makes absolute. This may have been like one of the most shocking firings in the NBA that I've seen in recent years. Because the first question I had, I said, if you're going to fire a head coach, and you didn't want him there, you should have got rid of him before the season started instead of waiting. What? What did you say? Uh, somebody said they were over forty games into the season, which is almost halfway over now. I think All Star break is right around Valentine's Day. What has Tyron Lue done in the NBA to deserve? A head coaching position. Talk no, to LeBron James. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're buddies and all that, but really, I mean, I think he's been he's been in a, under an assistant, and he's been like an assistant head coach for like three years. He was a journeyman NBA player. I think he had like played with like seven teams in seven years. And I think when he they, they he coached his first game, they got blown out anyway. So I mean, what was the point of firing David Blatt? I know that that the continuity wasn't there, and I think correct me if somebody uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. Wasn't David Blatt wanted to come back to Cleveland? Yes, yes, he was. I think they grabbed so him because he wanted... for Israel or something. Yeah, but uh, honestly, it, obviously uh, it wasn't a match. For the, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm now, done. I was just saying this obviously wasn't the... <laughs> <laughs> Right. The thing that irritates me the most about the David Blatt situation is that had LeBron not been there, still probably there, and he's probably still Cleveland's guy, it just irritates me that like people will are sitting here defending going, no, that's the right thing. You know, they made the right call because they didn't. They're, what, 30 and 11. They're first in the East. He took him to uh, the NBA Finals, and he had, a, like, what, a two-game lead? He just didn't have enough on the offense. And the thing is, is, like, everyone's in the GM coming out and going, listen, guys, this wasn't LeBron's decision, and it's not fair that you think he runs his organization. No, you don't say that as a GM. You come out and you go, hey, listen, this is our decision. LeBron had nothing to do with it. We run the team, not him. Everybody needs to understand that. We say things like, oh, hey, it's not fair. All that tells me is okay, so LeBron had like at least 50% input on this. It gets me because David Blatt's a great coach, and I think he'll go somewhere else and do very great wherever he's at. I think he's got the right schemes. I think he's got the right tempo for what he wants to run. But Cleveland still hasn't figured out how to use Kevin Love. They have no idea what to do with that man. And he is a great player. Tyron Lue's not going to fix that. Yeah, they signed him to a multi-year deal, blah, blah, blah. But I... He's not going to be there in three years. And I just, with the way that organization is being ran, I think they have a better chance of winning an NBA championship, getting the right talent in there without LeBron. Because there's way too much influence on the organization. And I think that's why he left it. Pat yeah. Riley, Eric Spolstra would not give him that power, and Cleveland will. 
I'm gonna agree with Amos in the first part here that it was a lot to do with uh, with LeBron James, and I think that that is uh, like 100 percent why uh, he was fired. Um, but I'm gonna completely disagree with the last part where you brought up that he shouldn't have that kind of power. LeBron James is this team. LeBron James is why people buy tickets to go see the team. It's why this team makes money. It's why this team wins games. Uh, you know, he's the leader in points, leader in assists, leader in steals. Uh, second in rebounds, uh, I think second in blocks as well on the entire team. Um, you know, he, he dominates the time on the court. He's still, I mean, you can, I, you know, you can say what you want about Steph Curry. LeBron James is still the best player uh, in the NBA when it comes to like overall skill. Uh, he's unbelievable what he's been able to do, and he should. He should have that kind of say and that kind of power. Uh, I mean, if you had. Uh, Michael Jordan today, you'd give him that kind of power, and this is that kind of player. I'm not saying that he's as good as Michael Jordan because he's not, but he is that kind of player. He's a once in a generation player. Uh, you know, you that you're not going to see another one of these guys for a long time. He is a Michael Jordan, a Kobe Bryant, uh, you know, a Jerry West, one of those guys that is a staple of that era, or Bill Russell, a staple of that era where that's the first guy you think of when you think like basketball of this period. He's that guy. And he's the reason that they're going to go win or not win. You know, I mean, you looked at last year, um, and he does need the help, of course. I'm not saying that he doesn't. Absolutely, he needs the help. But you look at what happened last year, and this Golden State team, what they've been able to do, uh, LeBron was basically by himself. I mean, Della Mendova was like probably the second best Cavalier in that series. And, um, and he and he was almost able to do it by himself. I mean, it's it's unbelievable with how good that they've been on this run and how well that LeBron James has played. He's an outstanding player. If he wanted to, if I'm the owner and LeBron James is unhappy, I'm doing my best to make sure that LeBron James is happy because I want one LeBron James to stay. Two, I want a championship. And if LeBron James is happy, I have a better shot of getting a championship. Um, I didn't think that you know Blatt necessarily deserved to be fired. They're still the first place in the East Coast. I think uh, third place overall in the entire NBA. Uh, you know, so I don't think he deserved to be fired. This team is still playing really good, but maybe this is kind of going to be, you know, like a shot in the arm, like it was. You know, we saw Joe Philbin get fired with the Miami Dolphins, and they end up winning the next game. Tennessee Titans fire Ken Wisenhunt. They win the next game. Maybe this will be like them because tonight they uh, and. Uh, Tyron Lue's first game. The Cavaliers just beat the uh, the Timberwolves tonight, so maybe maybe it's what they needed. One fourteen, one oh seven. And speaking on the NBA Finals from last year, before you answer, Peter, uh, but let's put it to, into perspective this way: You said Della Devil was technically the second best player in the NBA Finals from you know right underneath LeBron James. Uh, we all remember Kevin Love got hurt during the Celtics series. You know, and he was out for the year with the the shoulder injury. They they went ahead and shut him down. Kyrie Irving got hurt in the first game of the NBA Finals that same year. So it was like the injuries just kind of piled up on him at the wrong time. Absolutely. And Kyrie Irving is the next Derrick so Rose. About... Like, dude's never going to stay healthy. <laughs> that's that's true. <laughs> Good point. I was pretty surprised when Black got fired actually by the Cavaliers. I thought it was a shock because they're still in first place in the um, in the East, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm not really sure what would have caused him to be fired. Uh, and to I believe it was Amos was the one who mentioned that 
the GM should have never brought up LeBron James wasn't behind it or shouldn't have worded that LeBron James wasn't the catalyst for the firing. Um, I think the way Amos had said it, it should have been worded was better, where it's saying that this was an organizational decision. It was a decision by the GM and the owners or wherever else was involved. Um, but I, I, I'm just not exactly sure what the firing's for. And if the Cavaliers do not win the championship this season, or they start struggling down the stretch and they, and they drop in playoff seating, I think a lot of people are going to start questioning this firing. And, you know, about LeBron, you know, I understand that he's one of the best and that he should be involved in the decision. But here's the thing he came back to Cleveland. And last year they lost the championship. They lost the championship, which doesn't surprise me because they did play Golden State. LeBron James did play hard, and he was pretty much by himself out there throughout much of that series because of injuries to other players. But I wouldn't let him try to push around decisions about the coaching because Blatt was just fine, in my opinion. What if Tyler Lewis stinks? Just because him and LeBron get along doesn't mean anything. No, it's just ridiculous. And I sometimes you have to have coaches that are tough on players. I mean, you look at Phil. Uh, Bill Jackson, you know, I'm sure that I'm sure you really go along with Michael and Kobe that there were times where they didn't get along and they probably butted heads because he was their coach and he, re- he realized they were great, but also understood at the same time that just because he knew they were great, he knew that they needed more coaching and it'd be fun in the right position. Now, I'm not saying that's necessarily what's going to happen with LeBron and Tyler Lue or what happened with Blatt because Bill Jackson is an all-time great and probably is an all-time great coach. But, come on, just so ridiculous, in my opinion, that they fire, fire Blatt. And I tell you right now, if the Cavaliers lose the championship this season, I think people are going to question that firing um, at this point in the season, in my opinion. I, right, if they lose, I think Cleveland's going to deflect oh. it. I think it'll be Kevin Love's fault, and then <laughs> if they don't win the year after, it'll be Kyrie Irving's fault. And then if they don't win the year after, Tyron Lue's fault, and he'll be out. <laughs> it's just going to go in a rotating circle. One real quick other news bit for those that don't know, I'm a huge fan of the PGA. Uh, last week, uh, Jordan Spieth won the Honda tournaments down in uh, down out there in Hawaii. Uh, this week on the European Tour, Rory won the uh, race to Dubai. The real quick question I have for all three of you: Are are we are is the PGA setting up for Jordan versus Rory for these major runs? As well as both of them are playing. Yes or no? Go. I don't know much about golf, but they're the two names I hear the most, so I will go with yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. This this is Manning Brady. I mean, this is this is Magic and Bird. I mean, this these two guys are coming up at the exact same time, almost the same age, uh, in the same sport, uh, and they're both phenomenal. This this is going to be the next. Thing, uh, great rivalry and sport to watch, in my opinion, for the next you know uh, ten years, whatever, however long that they play. I think both of them are going to go like neck and neck. It's going to be fun to watch and see who comes out on top at the end of their careers. This, yeah. Brian just hit the nail on the head perfectly. There, it's gonna it's gonna be great, and I'm excited to see what this rivalry brings to the golf game. Maybe it'll rejuvenate. Interest in golf after Tiger Woods fell off, and that's a clean sweep. And Roy, if you're listening, I'm still waiting on you to mail me a driver because I know you did it for another guy on Facebook. Uh, probably will never happen, <laughs> but one can hope, I guess. Uh, 
right, guys. Let's go ahead and get out of here. Uh, Nash and Matt, they're coming back tonight, right? Anybody know for sure? Yes? No? Maybe? I think they are going to be on tonight, yeah. Okay. So Nash and Matt in the stretch. Uh, everybody, uh, uh, Ryan and Amos, you guys got the cheers and beers, right, tomorrow night? Oh, yeah. Uh, there will be Absolutely. no... Absolutely. There will be no game picks on Thursday. We're probably just going to kind of mix it up and do a general sports thing, but there may be more NFL news coming down the pipeline this week as well. Uh, Everyone have a good night. We will see you guys tomorrow. Well, there you have it. The boys were at it again. We hope you enjoyed tonight's broadcast. We hope you had a good night and stay right where you are. Another show is coming up. Y'all come back now, you hear? 